Hey everyone, this is James from Film to Film bringing you another episode of the Laukar Long Project. Today we are going to be reviewing Marshall Club from 1981, uh, one of my personal favorites of the Laukar Long filmography, especially of his Shaw Brothers work. So real quickly, a quick synopsis before we talk about why we're bringing on this film. And I feel like this is going to be the film that the most people are like, huh, question mark. Um, a lot of the other films are, you know, pretty obvious. It's obvious why you're bringing the 36 Chamber of Shaolin or 8 Diagram Pole Fighter. Those are amongst his best, but they're also some of his most popular films. This film, uh, comparatively, is very underseen, but we'll get into that in just a second. So here is the synopsis I wrote. Uh, martial Club explores martial arts philosophy through the dynamics between three martial arts schools in Guangdong. Uh, so again, this is one of those uh, Lao Karlong films that's light on the plot and kind of uses it just as a way to sort of lightly guide uh, the different characters through these circumstances. So it's very character-based as far as kind of the Shaw Brothers films go. Uh, the plot is not very intricate at all, um, and uh, we just get to see kind of these different characters interact and stuff like that. I've seen a couple of people describe this as low stakes, and in a way that is definitely true um, in the sense that uh, I think the worst thing that happens here is one character breaks a leg and uh, a second character gets a busted leg too at one point. But it is deathless, uh, which is not uncommon for Lao Kar Lung films. Um, but uh, in that sense, uh, I, I do think there's enough going on here that doesn't feel so lo-fi uh, that things don't matter. I think this film, um, you know, I think it really encompasses a lot of like the martial arts culture and philosophy that he likes. And we can sort of see why he would split from someone like uh, Zhang Zhe uh, in this film, just because Zhang Zhe is so focused on the violence. Um, on a lot of his films and having huge body counts, sometimes even in the hundreds, uh, it feels like it at least. Um, and and uh, for Lao Kar Long, you can tell just through watching his films that that's not what he believes martial arts is about. And I think that really comes across in this film. So, okay, here's why to watch it. This is a perfectly balanced film that sums up Lao Kar Long's views uh, the most on martial arts philosophy and ethics and concludes with one of his best fights. Okay, yeah, so th th that's why I think this film is really worth watching. I think if you were to really distill uh, kind of the things that Lao Kar Lung brings to his films um, into one film, I think you would end up with something like this. There are certain films, something like 36 Chamber of Shaolin, that's really, really focused on one aspect, uh, the training, and has that wonderful second act that we kind of go through um, through that whole thing of uh, where we're training to become better at martial arts and as well as just improve ourselves too. Um, or uh, something like uh, Dirty Huh, which is extremely focused on incredibly intricate choreography and things like that, but ultimately isn't so much about um, the training and things like that. Of course, you have bits of that sprinkled in. I feel like this film, Martial Club, is very heavy on kind of the inter, um, the, the dynamics between these uh, different martial clubs uh, in the film and, and uh, kind of the ethics and how we should be using this martial arts and how we should improve. And I think those are very clearly things that Lao Kar Lung, as a martial arts master, really, really cares about. Um, and so all of that goes to say that the Instructors of Death title that was given to it, uh, I, I believe for um, English language release, is extremely inappropriate and it does not make any sense for this film. So it was probably one of those that was just um, haphazardly applied um, to here because there is no death in here um, or anything like that. So Marshall Club is a much uh, more fitting title uh, for this film. Instructors of Death sounds far more like a uh, body count juncture film. Um, and at its time, this was a pretty successful film. It was 10th um, in the year uh, in the Hong Kong box office for 1981. 
Um, I, I will say that I think that success, uh, it doesn't necessarily carry over to the modern day. I think this is one of the more underseen Lau Kar Lung films, especially for the quality um, on Letterboxd, which again is not the uh, end-all be-all of measuring a film's popularity. There's about a thousand people that have seen this. Um, it ranks 15th on there. Um, it came out the same year as My Young Auntie, um, and it is uh, 12th out of uh, his 18 uh, Shaw Brothers films. So not uh, particularly well seen as far as that goes compared to 36 Chamber of Shaolin. 29,000 people or so have seen that. And even something like Dirty Huh, four or 5,000 have seen that. So a lot less people have seen uh, this film. That being said, I think, um, yeah, no, I think this film uh, definitely deserves to be seen by way more film people. Um, my history of this film is I liked this film when I initially saw it, uh, 2009, 2010, kind of forgot about it for a while. And so when I was going through Lau Kar Long's filmography and just rewatching everything, I, I watched, um, pretty much every film that he directed. Uh, I think I did actually watch everything. Uh, this is one that really, really caught my eye and I was not in initially intending on bringing this film onto the project. But I thought it was just a perfect um, encapsulation of just everything he stands for. So I bought the Blu-ray, rewatched it, rewatched it with commentary, and I think it's absolutely a worthy film. Okay, so a little bit more uh, background here. Uh, this is a Wang Fei Hung story, which means it takes place in the Qing Dynasty, which is where uh, every Lao Kar Lung film that we have covered so far in this podcast takes place. Uh, generally speaking, that is kind of his default. Um, and we'll get into that too in just a little bit. And I think um, part of this is kind of that archival instinct. This film, as well as Executioners from Shaolin and the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, kind of exist in the lineage of his own personal martial arts background, um, where 36th Chamber of Shaolin would technically take place first, um, the burning of the Shaolin Temple, and then Hong Shi Guan, the Executioners from Shaolin, comes after that. And this comes um, after that in sort of the timeline where we have the martial arts passed down from Hong Shi Guan uh, eventually to uh, a couple of generations down to Wang Fei Hung, who is the protagonist of this film, played by the great Gordon Liu, and then is passed down uh, to Butcher Wing uh, and then to Lao Kar Lung's father and then eventually to Lao Kar Lung himself. So in that sense, it's very personal um, and it's a, it's a form of martial arts featured prominently in this film that is um, more or less kind of his bread or butter. It, it's what he is a master in. So it's very much kind of in his wheelhouse. Uh, he had covered Wong, a Wang Fei Hung story before in Challenge of the Masters, which was one of the first times that uh, we had kind of a young Wang Fei Hung there. Uh, that one is also played by Gordon Liu. And I, I can't help but get the feeling, I don't have any facts to back this up, that he probably wanted a second crack at it. Um, at this point in 1981, he's directed a lot more films than he had in 1976 for Challenge of the Masters. So he probably just wanted to kind of um, use and, and improve on what he had done before. Um, it's a fairly different story. And I think, uh, by and large, I think this is a, a great film, whereas that one is a very good one. So I, in, in that sense, I'm very glad he does come back to the same material. Um, and I think uh, this film is really good in that sense. He would eventually come back to uh, the Wang Fei Hong character, sort of, in Legend of the Drunken Master. And I think Drunken Master 3, 2, I, I, I'm struggling to remember if Wang Fei Hong is actually in that film or not. Um, so because it does feature a real-life figure, Wang Fei Hong, uh, who we know was born in 1847, we know he's in his 20s in this film, so uh, likely kind of in the late 1860s or uh, 1870s, so somewhere along that. 
And uh, in, in this sort of time period, you get the feeling that Lao Kar Long is using every film to sort of use, uh, to archive certain different styles and things like that. So things like Legendary Weapons of China came out a year after this, and this came out uh, 81. So um, just kind of showing um, uh, kind of the Hungar style uh, and, and sort of his different philosophies on martial clubs and things like that, which is going to feel a lot more personal for someone like Lao Kar Long than a lot of the other martial arts directors that don't necessarily have the same martial arts background as he does. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of the uh, talking points that I have here. This is Lao Kar Lung's uh, favorite film, or at least he said it was uh, at one point. Uh, previously, it had been Heroes of the East, which is interesting. Both of those films are deathless. Uh, the worst thing that happens here again is two broken legs. So in, in that sense, uh, uh, low stakes in the sense that we are not actually uh, trying to kill anyone in this film. That being said, even though it is kind of one of these films where there aren't enough, there isn't a lot of death, its runtime is pretty long, especially for a Shaw Brothers film. So they really like their films to dock in at 90 minutes or 100 minutes. But Lau Kar Long, probably the best, uh, the, the, their signature director at this point, uh, he was allowed to kind of uh, have a little bit more leeway as far as that goes. And so he really uses that leeway, in my feeling, uh, to kind of explore these things that are personally very interesting to him. Uh, we have uh, more interesting and richer characters, and we also are able to dive a little bit more into the uh, kind of the martial arts culture and the characters there. So I do not have a martial arts background, but I do find um, it to be uh, very uh, earnest and deeply felt. So, and, and in general, that is kind of how I feel about this film, is that it's a film that... Um, it's beautiful in its simplicity, and I think it has a lot to offer more than you would potentially think um, if you watch this film, perhaps early while diving through Shaw Brothers film. So it's one that I think um, I really in have enjoyed it each time more uh, as I've seen it. So definitely one that I'm going to revisit uh, probably every uh, three or four years, um, just because it, I, I think it uh, it really is a kind of a wonderful film in a lot of different ways, uh, including the characters as well as, of course, the fighting. Uh, the way it's set up is that we basically have the Gordon Liu character playing Wang Fei Hung, and then we are set him. We set him up with basically two foils, uh, people that occupy a very similar space in the other two martial arts schools. There, uh, Robert Mack, who was the disco king of Hong Kong at the, that time, uh, plays the um, son of a uh, rival school. Really, they're more friendly rivals, if anything. And so Gordon Liu's character and his have sort of like this friendly dynamic where they're both kind of trying to one-up each other there. And I think their relationship in particular is key to understanding um, uh, what Lao Kar Long points out as sort of like the virtues and things like that that you should be doing with martial arts because they start out very much as equals. Um, they're very equal in skill and one chooses to, uh, you know, go to brothels and basically uh, mess around with his martial arts skills there and just sort of show off and do sort of parlor games. Whereas Gordon Liu's character takes it far more seriously. And while he initially is kind of going along, he goes to the brothel uh, once with Robert Mack in the film. Um, he ends up uh, focusing his training and things like that. And so he, uh, we can see how his character grows uh, throughout the film uh, through his will and just through practice and things like that whereas Robert Mack's character ends up being sidelined uh, at the end and then the last school we have as close to an antagonist as we get as the uh, evil son 
who is played here by one of Lau Kar Long's uh, main assistants. He was credited here as one of the martial arts choreographers, along with uh, Xiao Ho, uh, King Li, uh, King Chu. Uh, and he's more or less, uh, he's a less fleshed out character. He's more or less just uh, evil rabble rouser sort of character uh, intended to kind of create conflict um, and that sort of thing throughout the film. Interestingly, this film was released in 1981. Again, fairly successful. It was one of two films that Lau Kar Long released in 1981. The other one is My Young Auntie, which is a really, really good film too. Uh, I like this film just a touch more, but I think that film is absolutely worthy and wonderful uh, Kara Hui vehicle. And I have seen a couple of people talk about how Kara Hui was uh, really, really sidelined in this film. And to some extent, I do get that uh, for sure. This is not... Um, Gordon Liu is largely the star of this, but the way I see it is that perhaps Lau Kar Long was sort of doing this trading off where Mai Young Auntie is the Kara Hui and Xiao Ho vehicle, including featuring Lau Kar Long himself. And this film is the Gordon Liu vehicle of that year where it features him front and center and Xiao Ho and Kara Hui are both in this film, but largely take a backseat. Uh, Lau Kar Long just has a very, very small part at the beginning where he is explaining the lion dance. Uh, so I think uh, I see it less of like him sidelining Kara Hui and more of just like, okay, we're going to do these different films this year. And Gordon Liu, by the way, is in My Young Auntie in a very small role uh, just that, where I think he's just in the dancing scene in that film. So he constantly had this sort of trade-off where, okay, you're the lead now. Okay, now you're going to be a side character. Now we're going to let Kara Hui be the lead for this one. So I, I see it more as kind of this rotating troupe. Um, one thing I do like about this film, too, that is not necessarily present in uh, the Hong Kong action comedies that you would get in the 80s is that comedy is largely integrated. I think a lot of people will complain about the comedy in a lot of these Hong Kong films. The action, I think, in many ways does hold up much, much better. Um, but the comedy here is just sort of sprinkled throughout, and it keeps the tone a little bit lighter. I'm not going to say all the comedy lands for me. Um, I'm definitely someone that can complain uh, about comedy in certain films or things like that. But I think it doesn't bother me, and I think it's just amusing enough that um, it, it's, it comes across pr pretty okay in the film. For me, uh, the part that gives me the biggest problem is when films will just switch over to comedy mode and, okay, we're going to have uh, My Lucky Stars or something as an example, uh, just goof off and do stupid Hong Kong sex comedy for 10 minutes. This film is not that. While it definitely has kind of this lighter touch to it, um, it the comedy is kind of just sprinkled throughout where there are just constant misunderstandings and things like that. Um, which is, you know, kind of a reoccurring theme in a lot of uh, Lao Kar Long films, sort of this cultural conflict, generational conflict. Um, so that, that definitely takes place here. And that, I would say, helps to kind of spur a lot of these more minor fights that happen here. Okay, so let's see. Uh, so in terms of... Uh, so, so before... Well, let's see. Let's get into Johnny Wang. This is personally my favorite Wang Lung Wai, Johnny Wang role, uh, where he plays the Northerner. And if you have seen any of these Shaw Brother films, especially the ones that he would do with Zhang Zhe or even Lao Kar Long, he's often really, really typecast as the villainous outsider, often the villainous Northerner. And if it's the Qing Dynasty, most likely a villainous Manchurian. And uh, he comes from the north. I don't know if he's actually Manchurian or not in this film. But if you watch the Cantonese language film, which is the uh, original language, uh, and that is how I watched it, you will see that he is the one character that isn't 
speaking Cantonese. He's speaking Mandarin. And you'll see there's a bunch of uh, different cultural misunderstandings uh, where he is coming down to the South basically to learn from the culture and learn martial arts uh, and things like that. But because he's Johnny Wang and because if you have seen a lot of these films, you know his history, you just assume this guy is going to be some thuggish oaf that is going to like absolutely stir up conflict and things like that. When if anything, that's the opposite of his character. And I really, really like the role. I think it's genius casting. He's introduced um, <laughs> in kind of a wonderful way where he is going to this food stall and he tries the southern watermelon and he just immediately breaks it in half. And it's just a great introduction. Uh, but from there, you're like, okay, this guy, uh, he's messing up the watermelons. He's going to probably not pay for it. He's going to like mess up this inn or something like that. And it's definitely going to be kind of like the uh, instigator of this film. And if anything, he is the opposite of that. And I think it works so well in the film. And I love the casting of him. I think it's a great job of uh, Lau Kar Long and whoever decided to put him in this role where he's basically playing a good positive character here who is from the north and I think so many times these films fall into the reoccurring trope of having uh, the villainous Manchurians or the villainous Japanese or things like that uh, which of course Johnny Wang has played too uh, in different films but uh, here it's you just keep waiting for him to make that churn and to be a bad character but he never does it and in fact, he de-escalates situations where a lot of other characters, specifically the youthful ones, as well as the bad school, are constantly escalating it. And that's really what this film, the plot, is driven by, is like these escalations and de-escalations between the martial arts clubs. And a lot of that is very cultural, what um, what you're supposed to do, who... Um, for instance, like the lion dancing that we start with at the beginning, we have Lau Kar Long kind of going over the rules and things like that. And then we immediately have uh, one of the schools violating those rules. And that's really at its core what this film is about. It's about the different etiquette and things like that and how we escalate or de-escalate from there. And Johnny Wang, while he um, kind of starts out and uh, kind of inadvertently ends up really, really beating up the Robert Mack character quite badly... Um, he is, in the end, kind of uh, a very good character and someone that is really promoting the true spirit of martial arts. So I think it's a brilliant bit of casting and a great job by Johnny Wang. And we'll also get into him in his fight scenes, which is really where he always shines, uh, whether he's the villain, as he usually is, or if he's a relatively good character like this, too. Um, so that's a little bit of the martial arts philosophy in the film, too. And again, Lao Kar Long is really interested in the growth um, of different characters, both in terms of martial arts knowledge, as well as uh, them as uh, human beings and just kind of learning the spirit there. So the central character here is Gordon Liu, Wang Fei Hung, who really, um, oh, and I forgot to mention, Lao Kar Long did make a series of Wang Fei Hung films, often as kind of a stunt coordinator or like a double uh, Cantonese quickies uh, in the 50s and the 60s with Quan Ta King. Uh, they made a ton of those different films. So he has a uh, uh, he, he has been working on Wang Fei Hung films for a very long time. I have not seen any of those films, but um, but uh, anyways, let's get back to uh, the philosophy just a little bit. What he's interested in really is kind of the growth of this Wang Fei Hung character, who starts out very much very similar to the Robert Mack character. He'll go to a brothel or something like that, and they're trying to one up each other. Um, they're paying off different people to lose fights to them. Um, so very, very immature, childish sort of things. Uh, he ends up getting beaten up by a real master because he 
wears his belt at the wrong point that sort of shows he's a coach is the way that the uh, it was subtitled. Um, but he really improves himself and there is there aren't like a, there isn't like a super long training sequence in the film, but it's very very much implied. We do see kind of the sprinkling of him learning. There's one moment where um, uh, there's someone falling off the scaffolding where he catches them and then just keeps on training and things like that. So uh, and one line that I really like that gets repeated throughout the film is "learn better, not earlier," and that's really I think at, at its core what the film is about too. It's about this personal growth, uh, about not rushing to learn, but just learning better, learning um, restraint. And I think that's one area that you see Wong Fei-Hung really grow throughout the film. Um, he is not quite as foolhardy, even from the get-go, as the Robert Mack character, but he will uh, occasionally, especially in the first half of the film, inadvertently kind of escalate these conflicts and stuff by kind of jumping to sides and stuff like that. And you'll see, see his dad, um, uh, Wong Kaying, uh, played by the great Ku Feng, uh, kind of sh tried to teach him restraint and things like that. And by the end, you really can see that he really does have, uh, has improved a lot, not just in martial arts, but as a human being. So this earnest list is often seen as kind of lame uh, in today's society and stuff like that. I find it to be very endearing and very moving in this film. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, and in Lau Kar Long's film, case i do feel like it is deeply felt so uh that's something that i really uh do get out of this films too and so yeah throughout the film there's a lot of different things lots of different like kind of martial arts code of contact c conduct that we get introduced to where the bad clan is always doing it the bad way uh, the weapons against no weapons uh things like that um so we do have like kind of johnny wang's character jumping in to de-escalate um and we often have like the youth uh sometimes uh, intentionally escalating it in the case of the evil son played by King Lee King Chu or or de-escalating or, or uh, inadvertently escalating it um, in the case of especially Kara Hui um, and Wang Fei Hung's character uh, as well as Robert Mack too. So uh, the martial arts are not just to show off. It's not a parlor game. It's meant to uh, improve you as a human being too and, and hard work. Uh, okay. So I apologize if that was a bit of a jumble, but hopefully that came across well. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of the fights, which, as you can expect from a Lao Kar long film, are great. Um, I would say there are two really big standout fights in this film, uh, the theater as well as the 1v1 finale here. Uh, there are a couple... Uh, couple others throughout the film. This film does a lot of things where it will sprinkle in very, very short fights, like one or two minute fights uh, throughout the film. Uh, the first one, uh, first kind of big set piece, it's not really a fight, is the lion dance, which involves just a ton of different extras where they're basically making this huge human pyramid. I'm not the biggest lion dance guy, but there is something to it. And I think this is definitely one of the uh, better ones here. And it is quite elaborate. And just seeing what the guys can do, um, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's impressive, and that really does kind of set the tone of the film because that's not really fighting per se, but it does have to do with kind of these martial clubs and the ethics and the etiquette that they are supposed to follow. Um, so we have Lao Kar Long helpfully explaining what you are allowed to do and what you're not supposed to do there. Um, so yeah, we have these fights sprinkled in. 
Um, there's a lot of different group fights in particular, which is unsurprising considering the context because this is focused on the different martial clubs there. And I think the first really standout fight that we get is Robert Mack in the brothel. Um, so he has been going to the brothel. We've seen him uh, a couple times already there. So this time he's on its own there. And so the evil clan basically plays a trick on him where he had been previously kind of breaking the sash so he can embrace a girl. Um, and that's just one of the tricks from Kung Fu, uh, his Kung Fu training that he's learned and just basically showing off uh, in order to get like free stuff at the brothel. And so uh, knowing this, the evil clan plays a trick on him by putting beef tendon into the sash, which basically makes it very, very difficult to break and he's unable to. And so then they will go ahead and they'll ambush him. They will fight dirty. They they are using weapons and things like that. And I think this fight really, really hits hard. I don't think it's the best fight in this film by any stretch, but it reminds me a lot of the ones in Dirty He, just in the sense that Lao Kar Lung is challenging himself by adding these different constraints. And in this case, we have Robert Mack, who's basically handcuffed uh, with and can't use his hands. And so nevertheless, he's still a very skilled martial artist. So we see him still fighting his way and doing a pretty good job of it until eventually he gets outnumbered and the villainous son uh, comes in with weapons and things like that. And they basically break his leg. Uh, and the fight's really good. It's hard hitting. I think um, one thing that I really appreciate about Lao Kar Lung fights is that he really doesn't undercrank nearly as much as uh, some of the other directors that ended up working in the 80s. And this is right when the undercranking started to kind of pick up steam. I think someone like Sam Hung, I love his choreography, but I do think he sometimes has instincts uh, of undercranking that can sometimes work to the fight scene's detriment. Um, and Lao Kar Long is never like that. But you do get the feeling in here that he's like, okay, we're not going to undercrank, but we're going to speed this up. We are going to move fast, and we're going to hit hard. And you get that feeling in this fight as well as just about all of the others uh, in the film. I think the the uh, brothel fight is topped by the theater fight, and this is really the big um, the big kind of big set piece here. Uh, I think the it is topped by the finale, in my opinion. But this one is a lot more elaborate. It's a lot more intricate. It involves a lot of people. And so this one basically uh, has basically seven or eight of the two good clans uh, people being trapped into the theater for quote unquote not paying the tickets, which they were tricked into not doing by the evil clan. But the evil clan not only traps them in the theater with a ton of people on their side, but they trap a lot of the theater going audience, including the Peking Opera troupe there. So we have extras running all around and stuff like that. And it's super chaotic, but it's captured very, very clearly. We can see the fighting the whole time. It's very, very legible. He just does a great job of, um, of coordinating things. We, the action really flows. So this is where we have, um, this is where we basically have Xiao Ho and Kara Hui come off the bench uh, and play really prominent roles in this fight. Uh, with uh, Gordon Liu, the, it's, they do some dynamic things with the lighting where Gordon Liu's like, okay, we can't escape this way. Let's uh, knock out the lights and try to escape through the back door. And so this, of course, takes uh, advantage of none other than Mad Monkey Kung Fu, Xiao Ho himself, who we see flying through the air, uh, trying to knock out these different nights, lights. The evil clan recognizes what's going on. They're like, oh, stop them from doing that. And so uh, it's really just a flat-out brawl and great, great fight scene that showcases all of the performers, Gordon Liu, uh, the, two, the evil school, um, Xiao Ho, uh, Kara Hui, 
Um, and it's really, really wonderful. There's one point where Xiao Ho dresses up in, uh, tries to sneak out in the Peking Opera gear. Uh, it doesn't quite work out that way, but it's very, very playful in that sense. And uh, them being trapped in the theater and like that, it, it does, uh, even though we've talked about how this film can come across a little bit low stakes, uh, this one, you really do feel a sense of danger. Uh, it seems like the villainous clan who is whipping out all kinds of different weapons and things like that really is playing to really rough up the different participants uh, from the other uh, places. In the end, uh, Johnny Wang's character does come along and completely de-escalates the situation. Um, so thank you, Johnny Wang, again. Uh, <laughs> and so that is quite, kind of surprising because at this point, we're still kind of not sure what to make of his character. And the bad guys are basically like trying to egg him on into the fight. At one point, the evil clan's son had his leg busted up there. So they're like, ah, oh, look at what they did. Uh, these guys are so aggressive. You got to come in and help and uh, get justice. But he refuses to do so, and so they uh, talk about it, and it's sort of, uh, there's a lot of sort of back and forth that goes on between the three different clans, but we basically end up with a finale that involves Kara Hui and Gordon Liu going to the evil clan and basically picking up rice as well as uh, cloth from them. So this one uh, also reminds me a little bit of Dirty Hu, where we have a lot of kind of these um, uh, training gimmicks or... Uh, stances, which we have seen Gordon Liu practicing throughout the film uh, to use to uh, basically carry these really heavy uh, forms of rice as well as test his horse stance and kind of the sturdiness of that, which is one of the foundations of Hangar uh, when he is uh, collecting those different costs. So in, in that sense, it reminds me of Dirty Hu because they are testing skills um, in kind of this creative way where they're fighting but not fighting. Um, so we have like Johnny Wang as well as uh, some of the evil clan people jumping on the linens and trying to uh, cause Gordon Liu to mess up or uh, tear something, um, which he, of course, passes these tests with flying colors. Um, and they're dynamically shot, uh, really, really well done. But that sets us up for, in my opinion, um, the final fight, uh, the 1v1. I think it's one of the best 1v1 fights Uh ever put to film, frankly. I think it's one of Lao Kar Long's best fights. I would list it amongst there. And I think um, as far as 1v1 goes, it's so so great. Um, I th really think after the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, Lao Kar Long's conclusions are f just almost all A pluses, uh, one after the other, really. Um, so this one, uh, how do you top kind of that one theater fight? Uh, and he really sets him up for quite a challenge because that theater fight is fantastic. And you can't really get as intricate or um, as dynamic as you can in sort of that sort of group brawl situation in a one v one So what do we do here? He sets it up as this alley fight that kind of shrinks. And it's sort of this, uh, I'm not sure if it's a real alleyway, but it's, it's well known, it's famous, and it sort of gets sh shorter and shorter as it goes on. So here is a... Lao Kar Long quote about this fight. Gurren Liu is fighting Johnny Wang in an alley that narrows from seven foot to two foot wide. The physical limits of the alley actually make the best showcase for the different boxing schools. How do you fight in the seven foot wide alley? You use big arm and leg movements. Going down to five foot wide, you keep your elbows close to your body because you don't want to expose yourself. Further down to three or four foot wide, you use iron string fist. Finally, when you get down to two foot wide, you engage the sheep trapping pose. The results were sensational. And so he kind of talks about how this shrinking alleyway 
how you can how the techniques and things like that, even though it's still hand to hand, um, and they're still using the Hungar style in Gordon Liu's case, Johnny Wang's using a different style because he's from the north. Um, how you can have the fight be so varied and change it up, and it's it's just a great fight. Uh, they load everyone up with baby powder, so everything looks super impactful. I listened to an interview with Johnny Wang talking about the fight uh, before um, I listened to it yesterday, and he he t he says they spent ten days filming it. Um, there was occasionally a rest day or something like that. Uh, but Lao Karlong liked to party apparently and would go clubbing uh, after after they finished fighting. And even though they were hitting wood, obviously, instead of bricks, uh, he said his hands were like he broke all of his knuckles. They were filled with calluses and things like that. So it sounds like even though, of course, we're not actually punching into brick and things like that, uh, it, it does stand out as being just like a super hard hitting fight. And I mean, in, uh, it's one that I just can't quite do justice to describing it. You have to see this fight. I think in context of the film, it's even better. I like watching fights on their own. Um, but I, I, I do think in the context of the film and just seeing what Wong Fei-Hung has sort of started from and grown to and having this sort of wonderful foil of Johnny Wang, who is like, I guess, in, um, in, in sort of the narrative, is occupying this big final fight that he gets to do. Uh, but really, it's this is not a test with animosity between the two participants. It's a very friendly test of skills. And... That also makes it stand out quite a lot in terms of um, this. And it's so bold that he's able to do something like this and get away with something like this. And it's just wonderful. Um, it's, and it, yeah, it, it really does carry, in my opinion, kind of that true spirit, that earnest, honest spirit of martial arts there. And so, you know, I could describe the different uh, stances and things like that that they're doing, but they are basically, as the alley is narrowing, changing their forms, uh, just as Lao Karlong. Uh, described, and uh, as the alley is getting closer and closer, they're rubbing more and more against these different walls where we have people punching into the bricks and things like that. And it's just awesome. Um, the only thing that it does not have is the Wong Fei Hung music, which is interestingly absent in this film. I don't totally know why that is. <laughs> I, I, they probably would, would have played it somewhere in that last 20 minutes or so uh, if they were going to use it. But, you know, that's fine. I, I don't mind that at all. They kind of have this march marching sound going throughout uh, throughout that final fight, which I think works just as well. Um, so yeah, I think this might be uh, my favorite Lao Kar Long 1v1 fight. Donnie Yen was apparently a huge fan of this. Um, I, uh, Johnny Wang said that too. Um, and he recreated in Lost Bladesman or something like that. I don't know if I've seen that film, but uh, but I'm not surprised. This film is, th this fight is really, really spectacular and I think absolutely makes the film and for me, at least, uh, ends the film with me kind of having that uh, high of elation and things like that. And that's so impressive to do when you have just these 1v1 participants. It's like one thing for a eight diagram pole fighter where everyone's emotions are so heightened and people are literally fighting for their lives uh, in kind of this epic Chinese tale. And here, it's just two guys testing each other's skills and no one's even allowed to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I think a really perfect uh, encapsulation of uh, of uh, kind of just what Lao Kar Long stands for, martial arts philosophy, martial arts clubs, and I think it's told in an engaging way. Again, I'm not a martial artist. I personally don't care that much about those things, but if Lao Kar Long finds it interesting and he can show the film, uh, show this material in a way that is engaging and interesting to an outsider uh, like me, I think that speaks volumes. Um, 
to just kind of showing uh, that that true spirit. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is, in my opinion, one of the top four or five Love Car Long films and very, very well worth checking out. Um, also wanted to uh, shout out the Martial Arts Mania. I th- thought they filmed a wonderful uh, podcast on this episode in particular. The Frank Jang and Michael Worth commentary on the 88 Films disc is also really good too. Lots of backstory and things like that. And I learned quite a bit from listening to both of those things. Okay, so feel free to email me at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at zafilmtofilm. Uh, and I will be back for a few more episodes of the Lao Car Long Project uh, in the next week or two. Thanks. Bye.